Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I am Sam. And I'm Jenna. And today we have a seasonal episode, a special episode, because we, if you're if you're outside or you're driving around, you are probably seeing them flying around right now because the cicadas are here. So our guest today is Kelly Walker, the senior keeper for our insectarium. And thank you for being here, Kelly. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is exciting. So we're talking about cicadas today. My original pitch for this episode to Jenna was just having cicadas scream for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> and that was going to be our cicada special, but I kind of got shot down there. <laughs> Everyone would have loved that episode, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so we are at the end of May... 2021 Mm -hmm. and we have this amazing emergence coming out but we'll go into that in just a minute if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your job is like and how you got into it sure um well i'm one of the four keepers that we have in the insectarium or world of the insect is what some people call it um i've been working with insects uh for almost 30 years now so and we um, strictly do them on a live basis so anybody who's gone through the insectarium Um, We typically have anywhere between 50 to 60 different species that we're working with. So from walking sticks to tarantulas, um, we do butterflies as well. Um, And yeah, so we raise live bugs to display them for people to see. And it's, we do a lot of education. We do keeper talks just like everybody else does around the zoo. Um, So yeah, and I've only, you know, I've worked, I started in the museum world and I've worked for uh, a couple of different zoos, and um, I've only ever done bugs. That's amazing. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> growing up, I actually loved, I mean, I still love bugs, but I, yeah. growing up, I wanted to be an entomologist. I mean, it changed, obviously, a little over time, but they're so cool, yeah. and it's actually one of my family's favorite places to go to. I know some people avoid, you know, seeing the insects, yeah. but it's really, really neat, especially if you can catch a keeper talking about the leaf cutter ants. I was just going to say that. Oh yeah. my gosh. My sister yeah. always hopes there's somebody out. And we spent an hour there one night during FOL talking to somebody. <laughs> it was one of like, the, um, what do you call them? Because you have to have people there 24-7 basically, right? Or sorry, when the zoo is when open. When the zoo's open. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are they the insect uh, guards? What do you... Yeah, we used to have, yeah, the 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 gallery employees yes, that would be yes. out there. And COVID obviously has changed a lot of things. Okay, but, yeah. um, but because of how we operate... Um, insects are the, we operate under USDA and they're considered pests. So we have to have someone constantly there just to make sure that basically everything's fine. All the exhibits are closed. Everything in the back is closed. Cause we do have a lab area in the back that some people don't know about. So in the morning, the keepers are on exhibit. And then during the day we're in the back raising all the bugs basically. Right. But one of the things that people don't realize is the insect zoo or the insectarium here was the first in the country. Oh yeah. To I open. Don't think I knew so that. and now you see you go to a lot of different zoos and they have insects on exhibit. Um, but this was the first one in the United States. It opened in nineteen seventy four, if I'm getting my year right. So yeah, they're like the start of not many people have leafcutter ants, so that's one of the reasons a lot of people are excited to see those. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's a lot of fun. I don't think, mm-hmm. I've probably been told that before, but I didn't remember that. And it is seriously one of the best that I've, or probably the best that I've seen at any it's, zoo. It's pretty neat. I mean, a lot of people, people are more and more getting leafcutter ants. 
Um, as you know, they're, they grow to be a pretty decent size with a lot of individuals. Um, so we have to operate, or the exhibit has to operate on a very small scale. Um, but we have those tubes yes. that the ants walk through that people get to see so they can, you know, forage for leaves at one end and march all the way back to the exhibit. So that probably, you're right, that probably is our most popular exhibit. It's, super it's pretty cool. cool. Just I'll just life sit cycle there. And, yeah, and yeah. watch them cut a whole leaf. You yeah, know, you can sit there forever, down. yeah, and watch them. It's, it's interesting. Yes. So I think we should absolutely do a, an episode on leafcutter ants. But today, because we do have this timely... Um, emergence happening we would like to talk about cicadas sure so i don't know where to start exactly but maybe you could just tell us what's happening and why it's a big deal start 17 years ago there you go there you <laughs> go, there you go. Yeah. yeah yeah so this is a big deal i mean brood 10 or brood x um they they number all the broods by roman numerals um this is the biggest brood and um it only happens every 17 years so the last time was 2004 um yeah, and they call them broods because the plain definition of brood is basically um, a large emergence of one animal. So a, a big group okay. of one animal. Um, and they just break them down into numbers because there's 15 different broods. So the one that's emerging this year is Brood X, Brood 10. Um, and it's really, the, the really cool thing about it is it only happens here at, out of the entire world. Like a lot of people don't realize that, that we have this large brood on the eastern United States and it only comes out every 17 years. So we're the only ones with a few other states that get to see this. And yeah. it's really, really an interesting thing. And there's a lot that they still don't know about it. And because they only get once every 17 years, right. you know, to look at the individuals, there's very little time, only about six weeks worth of time that they have to really do some research and see what's out there. That's amazing. So the different broods spend different times underground, correct? So this is a 17 year. What mm -hmm. are the other years or what, is there an average? Well, there's actually 15 total broods of cicadas and um, 12 of the 17. So 12 groups of the 17 year and then three are the 13 year. So they're not all 17 year. So what we're witnessing right now are actually the 17 year cicadas and it's, it's brood 10. So they're all broken down into those groups. Okay, so that's amazing that there are that many that stay underground for 17 yeah. years. Yeah. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're just, I know, right? They're just, existing? they're existing, really. Okay. That's exactly what they're doing. So this is just the type, I think what makes these guys so unique, along with all the other periodicals, for example, that makes them different from cicadas that we see every year, which are the annuals, um, is they do have that long life cycle underground. And they're basically just surviving. They're eating. They're getting a little bit bigger. Um, they molt to grow just like all other insects do, um, but they do it underground. So they're eating um, the sap off of tree roots. Oh, okay. That's uh, yeah, that's what they feed on mainly. Um, they're usually about eight feet underground. They don't really move around a whole lot under there. So people, you know, people always envision them like traveling miles and miles yeah. and miles and miles underground. And and they they can move around underground, but they typically don't move around too much. And they molt about five times. So I think when they come up above ground, is that, that's actually their final molt, which we can actually that witness. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's funny because you say people imagine miles and miles. I'm blown away that they can travel eight feet. I know. Yeah. I so am I. Yeah. How can these I know. teeny little insects And they're do so, this? you know, and, I mean, that's really the great thing about witnessing this brood and in these large numbers is there's so much that we can witness 
and you can see them coming out of the tunnels. So they come out of these tunnels and you can see them walking and finding something to climb up. Usually it's a tree, it's a branch, a blade of grass. Um, and that's that final fifth molt that we can actually witness. So that's when they develop the wings. Um, they look white. So people, we often get a lot of questions with people saying, oh, I saw an albino cicada yes. today. It's like, well, that's not actually an albino. It's a cicada that hasn't hardened its exoskeleton yet. So they have that white look to them and... Yeah, and then yeah. they, yeah, it's it's really cool. And then these ones have the red eyes, so I can they see the red why eyes, people yeah. would think they're albino, but yeah, I remember growing up, these larger cicadas without mm -hmm. red eyes, so these are the only ones that have red eyes. Though. Yes, so the ones that you typically see every year, the annuals, are bigger. Um, they're typically, they look like almost like camouflage in color, so they're green and black, yeah. and um, and they have usually black or green eyes. Okay. Yes, yeah. so I've mm -hmm. got a I've got a question about the eyes. So yeah. last time Brood X came around, right? I I was in uh, this will date me now. I was in eighth grade, so prime time cicada season, right? I was running around with all my friends, you know, trying to find them, seeing what what cicadas we can find. Now there was the rumor when I was in eighth grade that if you found one with blue eyes. <laughs> you could turn it in and get like a thousand dollars. Oh like, my god. Like research scientists were looking for ones with How blue fun. eyes. And I found one. I did find one really? with blue eyes. Wyoming, Ohio, yeah, when I was no over way. at my friend's house. Really? I found one with blue eyes. So that's a real thing. So I did find one with blue eyes. Yes. Yeah, so apparently it's an abnormality. Wow, well, I have not read anything yeah. about that. So you gotta find that cicada with blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> now wow. are there different broods emerging at the same time? Like it can over like they, math, they right? typically they typically don't, around. but there are two broods. I don't know quite what the numbers are but there are two that do come out at the same time like um, but they don't they don't overlap with each other they're in different oh, they're in different areas that makes but, sense but it's, it's pretty rare i'm but, pretty sure it's just the two will we see the annuals this year too or just the periodicals um you're probably just going to see more of the periodicals okay i wouldn't be surprised though if you do see some of the annuals okay mm -hmm. interesting yeah it's so neat as a kid i also walked around or ran around the neighborhood with my other <laughs> neighborhood friends and would try and see who could collect the most shells. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Made, like a little game out of it and you go hunting and... Yeah. I've already done that. I've collected a lot of them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I find it funny that, you know, people have always called them shells. We even call them shells. But, you know, as, as bug people, you're always like, oh, it's exoskeleton. It's not a shell. It's an... But, yeah. I know. No, yeah. You it's the, sh it's the shells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So... They are born into tree bark, correct? Like the eggs are laid. So the tree branches, yeah. Two, mm -hmm. Okay, so there has to be a tree. Like you couldn't find one coming up in the middle of the field, most likely, right? They would have to be a tree around. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the that whole process? Sure. And so, so they come out of the ground, and they're typically when, when periodicals know when to emerge. And this is actually fascinating because they're still doing some research on it because they don't really know... Um, like, how do they know what year to come out? Like, that's actually yes. research yeah. that's still going on right now. It's fascinating. Um, they actually, I, I actually just read this the other day, that they can tell, um, like, what, by tree sap, how it tastes, what, um, like, when it, where they are what? in their development. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but that's what they're, they're going off of that and saying, but how do they know to come out at the 17-year mark? So they're trying, still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, so all that research is fascinating. But when they do come out, it's typically after a rain okay. on the 17th year. And those are all the little tunnels that we see. So they'll come out of the ground. Um, even if they molt on like a blade of grass or something else, cicadas obviously can fly. So once their wings have hardened, they'll fly to a tree. 
um, and they'll find a branch. The females will find a branch about a half inch, quarter inch thick. Um, she has an ovipositor, which looks similar to like a stinger. So they hold it against their body when they're not using it. And then when she goes to lay eggs, they can actually put it in at an angle and she'll lay 20 to 30 eggs okay. at one time move to another branch until she lays up to about 600. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when you think about how many of these cicadas are coming out, um, and 600 per female, yeah. you know, that's a lot of eggs that they lay at And once. do you know the success rate or the survival rate that make no. it into the ground? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's, I mean, the one, the one thing that they have that working for them is that because they come out in such large numbers, obviously the predation... For them, they have more chance of survival because even if a lot of them get eaten off, there's still going to be a big group that's able to survive. But in terms of number, yeah, that's a good question. Okay, I'm not so sure how many survive. They lay eggs and they turn to larvae and the larvae crawl down the tree? They drop off the tree. Drop off. Yeah, so okay. once they hatch, they'll drop off onto the ground and the uh, nymphs are about the size of a grain of rice. Okay, wow. And they'll immediately go under, underground and they'll just start feeding on blades of grass because they're so close to the surface at that point. Okay. Uh, and then eventually they'll start working their way down wow. underground. And then... Yeah, that whole 17 years starts all over again. And those, yeah. So what we're seeing right now, it's really cool. What we're seeing right now are the kids of the ones from 17, from 17 years ago and the grandkids of the ones from 1987. Wow. Yeah, That's so <laughs> it's crazy to think about. It yeah. is. Yeah. I always just assumed that they bred and then like went back underground, you know, and would lay their eggs oh, underground, oh, yeah. you know, and then just like die underground. I yeah. didn't realize that they were actually laying it on branches. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense back, to yeah. think that way because they're coming out of the ground. Yeah. Right? So people just assume that they, yeah, they fly around and the, the females go back down and yeah, yeah, yeah it's so all in the trees. After their final molt though, and they have the wings and what most people mm -hmm. are seeing, they don't live very long. Is that right? No. How it's just a matter of weeks. So okay. the first usually four weeks is that's when you hear a lot of the calling, that loud calling that, from the males, just the males call. Okay. How, how, do, they, how do they do that call? Uh, males have special, they're called timbals, and okay. they're just little, they're organs on their body that they just can make those So it's not like from. wing vibrations or anything no. like that? Mm -mm. No, it's a special, yeah, wow. there's special organs on their body that they can call with. Cool. Um, and they do have different calls. I'm not sure how many, but I know there's a, at least a couple. Okay. Yeah. Call. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and so they'll, they'll call above ground, um, mainly during the day. They're not active at night like people think they are. Um, so they'll spend the next, what we were saying, they'll spend the next like four weeks calling to each other, mating, laying eggs, and then dying off. Yeah. Everything happens in a matter of about six weeks. Have you ever found the little nymphs or any of the... No. no? I wonder if no, you should I've look for them in a couple of weeks. I know. I wonder if they'd be really yeah. hard to find. So I know we all think they're really cool, and hopefully our listeners think they're cool or do after this podcast episode. But they're not dangerous. Tell us why they're cool or a few facts that you like about them so that mm -hmm. people know they're harmless. They're not going to do, you know, damage, or at least I believe they aren't doing damage to Correct. people's trees and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, so cicadas are not dangerous at all. Um, they're in an order of insects called hermiptrin. So they have, they're, rela they're related to bed bugs, which I know does Ooh. not sound very good. <laughs> um, bed bugs and aphids and stink bugs. So oh, okay. they're all in that same order because they all have piercing, sucking mouth parts. They do not have the ability to bite at all. So okay. they don't chew on flowers and plants like a lot of people think they do. Um, in terms of damage to your plants, you really don't have anything to worry about. Um, if, if they land on trees, 
especially older trees, which typically is what they do, it actually, um, all the little marks that they make for laying eggs, it actually encourages the tree to grow new branches. So oh, it's actually okay. beneficial wow. to the tree. Um, we do tell people that if you happen to have planted smaller trees or bushes, that it might be a good idea to cover them just to be safe. Okay. Um, and if you haven't planted them yet, we, I've been telling people just to hold off over the next few weeks if you can. But they don't do the damage that people think okay. that they can do. They're just not capable of that. They're clumsy flyers. So I always tell people if they fly into you, it's okay. You can reach out and actually catch them and place them on a plant <laughs> if you like. They're okay, but they can't bite. They can't sting. Nothing like that. I did that on my way over here today. There was yeah. cicadas on the sidewalk. I was like, buddies, you're going to get crushed. And I like yeah. picking them up and I was like tossing them up into the <laughs> yeah. trees. I was like, yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. You're going to probably see a lot of that too. Like I can't tell you how many times I've seen some on the ground with a broken wing. And, and if you do see ones like that, like the chances of it surviving are pretty slim. They have to be able to fly, obviously to get to trees, to mate, things like that. So yeah, I, I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm gonna pick you up anyway, and yeah, just in case. And you're over here. You yeah, it won't get smushed. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we just did a an episode about migratory birds, uh-huh. and they're flying through around this exact same time. And I'm sure they are having a heyday with all of these cicadas. Yeah. So they're doing some good as far as the ecosystem goes. You know, being yeah. the, the migratory birds. Yeah. And is there anything else that they're doing? I mean, you mentioned well, the trees. The nymphs in the ground, because there's so many of them under, underground, they actually, they're good for the soil because they're constantly, when they do move, they're moving that soil around. So that's good for the soil. Obviously, you know, food for other animals. So once they do emerge, um, they're soft-bodied when they come out of the ground. So the animals that are on the ground are going to get a nice meal when they fly around. Birds, I've witnessed birds catching them in mid-flight. Um, and even the dead bodies. So when all the cicadas die and go down to the ground, they're going to decompose and put all those nutrients back into oh, the soil. Oh, yeah, good point. So even if, you know, you're slowly... Cause People have said to me, like, well, we're going to have all these shells and these dead bodies all over the place when it's done. And it's like, well, over time, that's going to to decompose and yeah. things are going to eat it and things are going to use it for a nest or something. Like, you never know. So all of that, every stage is really good for the environment. That's great. I was hoping that we would get a bunch of the meerkat yard and they would get to oh. have a heyday. But <laughs> with it being a new area and all the construction, and I haven't seen any actually land in there yet. So I don't. I don't know how they'll end up in there, how many. Might get a but, few snacks here. Uh, yeah, Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they would love that, but. Now, when is, like, peak, peak of this? Are we at the peak right now? What's. No, I think, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, as you guys know, we had a little bit of a cold snap. Yeah. Which really, the first time they did have some dates in um, 2004, the last time they came out, and they came out the end of April. And I think that's kind of what everybody was expecting this time. So I think we're just seeing the start of all of this. Mm. Um, And then because it's getting hotter, last year we had, you know, or last year, last week it started getting into the 90s, which is what they like. And I think we're going to see a lot more come out over the next three or four weeks probably. So I think the, in the beginning they were saying we'd see it through June. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into July because we're going to have some some stragglers in the end. The soil temperature has to be... 64, like eight feet down wow. for them to know to come out after it rains. Um, and because it was so 
chilly for a while. I think they're coming out a little bit late. So I think people should be excited yeah. and prepared to see a lot more than what okay. we're seeing right now. I, I'm so glad you said that because I, I'll be honest, I've been disappointed. I'm like, everyone, I everyone acts like you have to like bat them out of your yeah. face I know. and by, like hitting your car and right. when you're driving. I'm like, I've seen them, yeah. but they haven't been I've heard crazy. the same thing, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep. I've got a question on the delay, though. Because they're delayed because we had that cold front. Right, They so they, they molt for the last time. Or, mm -hmm. and then when they, they come out. They mm -hmm. come out. And then they only live for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, if we had a cold front, you know, that came through and lasted for, like, another three weeks, would they just, would they would that impact their breeding? Like, would they... You know. That's a good question because they do, insects do tend to slow down when it gets cold. Yeah. So it could very easily have an impact on them because they do prefer the hot and humid weather. Yeah. Um, it's easier for them to get around, in other words, to fly when it's really hot. Um, so usually when, it, if they're, you know, if they're out, say if we do see a big emergence in the next week, for example, um, and then all of a sudden it gets cold, it is going to slow them down a little bit. So that could easily, I think, have an effect on how many, how many mate, how many eggs are laid, things like that. Yeah. That's a good question. It brings up it the is, whole climate yeah. change thing. Like yeah. how much weather can impact. Yeah. Because cicadas of... are insects of climate. Like they, they, that's how they operate. Like I was saying, you know, before, like they, the ground temperature has to be, a, you know, a certain temperature, the, you know, the, how they count all the years, like, and then the rainfall and heat, like, all that comes together for them. Like that's, that's a huge impact on them. So yeah. it would affect it. Which is really amazing. And yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just crazy to think about living eight feet underground and you're like, oh, it's about that time. I know. I <laughs> Tree sap is telling yeah. me I gotta go. I <laughs> and I think the annuals, I know we were talking about this in the beginning, like, I think annuals are like maybe every couple of years. I'm trying to remember what I was reading. And yeah, so it's, and all of it is based on, I mean, clearly we don't see cicadas in the wintertime. This is strictly right. a summer. You know, that's such a good very, point. Very, very weather-related thing. Yeah. yeah, it does affect them. They're super cool. I, I hope everybody appreciates them a little more. After right. All of yeah. This. Not using like and, insecticides. To, yeah. Yeah, and then to, it doesn't really work that. on cicadas. So we always <laughs> tell people. I mean, I'm a bug keeper, so I always tell people not to use right. insecticides because I mean, I I like to think at this point that it's just as bad for us as it is for them. It's bad for your pets, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't really work on cicadas like yeah. it's not let them do their thing they're going to be gone in, in no time there's really nothing to worry about you know yeah awesome do you have any other cool facts for us about cicadas or anything that you would like to share about their life cycle or um well one of the things i actually just found out last week that i thought was really cool um gene kritsky is uh who lives here in cincinnati he's an entomologist he's like the biggest cicada expert and um he's been doing some podcasts and he was talking about how he's doing the main research and he's created the Cicada Safari app. And um, so they're trying to find out if this Brood 10 that's coming out, when it originally was documented, was in Philadelphia in seven, 1715. Wow. And he really wants to know if they're still emerging there. And he's asking people to put this app on their phone, any, or any information you can get, just even in your backyard would be helpful for them in continuing this research with this particular species. So Cicada Safari app is really cool. Um, and there's also cicadamania.com, which if you want to learn everything you, you need to learn about cicadas, even by state, it's all mapped out 
on that particular website. So there's a lot of information out there if people really want to get involved. Very cool. What's, yeah. the, what's the range right now for the cicadas? Like, They're in part uh, in about 15 different states. Okay. Yeah. So right now we have, I'm in northern Kentucky, so I'm seeing them down there already. Ohio, Indiana. Maryland is supposed to get a good size group come out. Um, northern Georgia, uh, Tennessee. Um, I want to say D.C. Yeah. It goes a little, I, further, I, it goes than a little further than that. Yeah. They used to see them further north. And I don't think, I think that population has dropped a little okay. bit. Um, but yeah, it, it occurs in over parts of 15 different states. So it's pretty, it's pretty widespread. There's also on Cicada Safari, there's a map. So if people want to look at the actual map where everything is, is emerging and supposed to emerge, it's on there. Wow. Mm -hmm. They have everything these days. They yeah. really do. And you can submit photos. Like they're they're really trying to keep track of as much information as they can because of climate change. Um, the numbers of this brood has gone down like other broods, so there they, there really is some worry that this particular brood can go extinct Man, at some point. Yeah, really brood eleven is already extinct. The oh, last no way. Yeah, the last time they saw that I think was in nineteen fifty four. Do you know what the call? I mean. No. Whether, yeah. Like they just know if yeah. them emerged that I have year? No or, idea. Yeah. To, I mean, to have that many animals go yeah. extinct and most likely it's not like from humans hunting them. No. But it's obviously it's ha yeah, human yeah. impact. Yeah. Of course, and so. I mean, I see where I am in, in Covington, Kentucky. Um, they're just bulldozing all the hills around us. And, you know, I see something like that. And it's like, that's all habitat. And it's yeah. not just for insects. Right. It's for mammals. It's for birds. It's for a lot of different things. And it's, so you're, you're digging up all this land where these animals are and they're, it's just unfortunately destroys them. So I, I think it's a lot of that, that their habitat is just being built on, Dang. you know? So, yeah. So they're worried about this brood for sure. And they're just trying to gather as much information as they can, because like I was saying, you know, you've got a few weeks to do this and then... That's it for it'd another be, 17 years, yeah. It'd be so hard to dedicate yourself to researching these 17-year broods because, yeah. I mean, what are the... I know. What do you do for those 17 I know. years? Right. I mean, there's way more that goes into it than I can think of. Right, but right. That would be tough, like, just anxiously awaiting mm -hmm. 17 more years. Yeah. And not knowing what you're going to see right. yeah. after 17 years, you know, just keeping your fingers crossed. Like, we've, like we said, we've already seen changes in this brood, so... Yeah. But, um, do yeah. you know, are there any differences as far as, so as a brood, a species in any way? I mean, I know you said it's just the emergence of a lot of them, but how do the, the different cicadas, we, we know this one, they're smaller, they have red eyes, do, but do they all eat the same thing? Do they all basically do the same thing? They do. Their, their life, life cycle is the same. Okay. And the, even the annual cicadas, same life cycle, same diet, basically okay. they'll underground, they're going to eat the sap. Off of, of roots of plants, yeah. So there's different... When we say that... Um, I know people... It sounds a little confusing when you say that cicadas are related to other cicadas. It doesn't mean that they're related in, like, a brother-sister right. kind of way. So they there are different species of periodical cicadas. Okay. So it just depends on what brood you're talking about. So brood, like brood 10, brood 11, like I was just talking about. Like, those, those are just different groups that come up at the same time. Okay. And in terms of, I'm not sure what species Brood 11 was, but, um, but some of them are different species. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Sam, do you have a quiz for us? Today? Oh, I guess it's quiz time. 
Before I quiz time, can I ask a dumb question? Because it's not every day that this is a stupid Sam question. Because I don't sit down there with entomologists. No okay, <laughs> I know there's not. <laughs> is there a difference when people say bug versus insect? That's is, a good question. Is that, actually, is, is that is there? You know, is that just an interchangeable term? I've always just wondered that. I, you know. So, okay. So a lot of people say, and I do. T- I say bug all the time, just because yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's easier. And people, I think, just say bug. But bug versus insect, like a real, you know. Maybe PhD entomologists would be like, no, it's only insect. You know, you can't say bug. So insect is is really the correct scientific term. There are actually true bugs, which are a little bit different. So I mean, that might be a little more technical than you want to get into. But yeah. but you can say bug. Okay. Bug and insect, in my opinion, are they're one of the same thing. It's interesting to hear. I wonder if all insect keepers would say the same thing, or you know, like how we made. Well, we'll hear it in a further episode where we'll kind of make fun of Sam a little bit. He, I think he did it on purpose, but he called bonobos monkeys. You know, oh, like, that, yes. yes. That, you can't mm-hmm. do that. I that's very that. wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, so I was. that's a good question. I was wondering if, like, yeah. You hear it like, more with, like, people will call um, a millipede a bug. A millipede is not a bug. So that's closely okay. what you just said about, you know, bonobo monkey. Like, a millipede is an invertebrate. And it's related to insects, but millipedes oh. are in their own group. Okay. But people always call them bugs. But I, so sometimes I'll do that. I'll be like, oh, it's not a, it's not really a bug. It's in its own group. It's something else. And you so can yeah, find them in the insect you world. You can <laughs> find them in the insect world because we get we get called out by guests every now and then. They'll say, why do you call this an insectarium when you have spiders in here? And it's like, good question. Yeah. Well, yeah. At least they very know. good question. Yeah. yeah, they're different. That's awesome. The yeah, more you know. Question. Right? Okay. I know. <laughs> and now I'm even more confused. <laughs> I should have stopped it. No, it's great. <laughs> it's good to know that there is, it's not just an interchangeable term. There but are if, classifications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would make sense if you think of it as all bugs are insects. And yeah, yes. and not all, all insects, insects are, are bugs. bugs. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. There we go. All right. So I've got a, I've got a little quiz for you. It's Kelly versus Jenna here. Oh, boy. It's just random questions. I don't expect you to know them, but I, I do because you weren't. No. Oh, no. I'm going to embarrass myself. So this will be like, this is kind of a uh, to the closest number type of quiz. So and there, okay. there might be another like fill in the blanks. But um, just ran, random insects and bugs. So it's not purely with cicadas. So I'm going to start it with this. So to the amount of eggs during peak production, how many eggs can a queen bee lay per day? I have absolutely no idea. So. I used to know this. <laughs> I worked with bees. It's been so long. Um, I think, oh my gosh, I forget. I'm going to throw a random number and guess 400. Okay. That seems like a lot. But you just told me about cicadas. So. I know. Um, oh my gosh, this is horrible. 2000. Mm, Kelly was closer. 1,500. Wow. Oh, yeah, you were really About 1,500. Again, I do all my research off Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I was trying to think of what the number was every minute that they lay. Oh, gosh. Because they lay, you know, like constantly, but yeah. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Who is generally considered the founder of entomology? This is way back in the day. Not, Not U.S., just entomology in general. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That's a good question. That's hard because I have to make up a name to even guess for this one. You would know this name if you heard it. Really? Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't consider them an entomologist by any means. Is it Darwin? It's not Darwin. It's it's further back than that. Oh. I'm talking about ancient times. Oh, my gosh. 
I don't know. I couldn't even make a guess. I don't know. Apparently it's Aristotle. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. you know what? <laughs> yep. Mandy, who's our team lead, was talking about this recently. Yeah. How funny. Just working some insects into his talks that he was giving. Yeah. I don't, I don't no, know. No, yeah, you're right. How nice. funny. Okay, so to the, to the mile, what is the largest recorded um, contiguous colony of ants? How long did that stretch per mile? So you're... I'm guessing you're talking about Argentine ants. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, and oh my gosh, Miles, I I'm just gonna throw out a guess because I don't know exactly. I'm gonna a thousand. Okay. Maybe. So, so tell me a little little bit about them. Do they they just like so make big trails? Argent yeah, Argentine ants like they. I, I, on the West Coast, because I lived on the West Coast for a little while, they their ants typically stay in their own colonies, whereas Argentine ants can will actually merge with other colonies. So they just kind of keep going, and they'll just ex and like share homes, and they, yeah, and they'll just keep ex expanding, and they can go over miles and miles. So yeah, they they can yeah they can go pretty far. So you guess a thousand? I I'm gonna guess a thousand. Okay. Wow, that's so much. Maybe I'm way. I'm gonna I'm gonna say two hundred. Okay, so the Argentine ant, which was introduced to Europe in the 1920s, the largest colony spread from northern Italy through the south of France to the Atlantic coast of Spain, stretching 3,700 miles. What? Yeah. <laughs> also, who like followed that trail? I know. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. Somebody yeah. was on a picnic and they, had, they just all crowd traveling. They're like, I gotta find the address. <laughs> Wow. Two years yeah. later. <laughs> uh, well, and they, they know this because when they merge, they can, they can well, when they do tests on them, they can figure out, like, oh, this one's related to this colony and this one's of related. And down the can, line. Which I don't understand I know. It's either, so, but, it's too, oh, oh my it's so goodness. ridiculous. So it's smart. insane. I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. Yep. I'm dedicated. Okay, I've got, and, I've yeah. got three questions left. Okay, first one is, how many eyes does a caterpillar have? Two? Yes. Well, they have compound eyes. I don't know if they have, if they have. Well, wait a minute. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna guess two. Two. From my Wikipedia site, eyes. it says caterpillars have six pairs of simple eyelids called stemata, which so they have twelve eyes. They have six pairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Maybe, We're maybe, every day. <laughs> maybe it's different. I'm gonna have to fact check that one then. And this is this is just a fun one. How does the moorland hawker dragonfly? Avoid mating with undesirable male dragonflies. Wait, say that again? How does the moorland hawker dragonfly oh my gosh. avoid mating with undesirable males? I don't know. Does the hawker about that, have anything to do with it? I don't know. Do they look like hawks? Okay. Jenna thinks they look like hawks. Did you make no, this one I, up? I didn't make this uh, one I was going to say, I've never even heard <laughs> this of this is a real one. Fly. <laughs> oh. Apparently they just dropped dead. They, oh my god! Not, <laughs> what? But not really dead. They fake their death. It says that they, uh, when an undesirable male approaches, she'll drop the air and just lie motionless on the ground. Oh my gosh! I'm sort of really funny. I don't know if I should say it, but it's just like, no, I'm asleep. I know. <laughs> not ready. No, not ready. The more we can learn from dragonflies. Yeah. In the final question from the 1998 classic *A Bug's Life*, oh boy, what is the main character's name? I used to love that movie. I almost said Buzz Lightyear, and that's not, <laughs> that's not Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, I can see, I can see the character. I feel 
feel like I just saw something about this the other day, and is it the... He's an ant. Yes. An ant with only four legs, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> I, can now, I can't help but mention that. Yeah. I saw this thing that showed that the queen carries around an aphid. She does. Is hilarious. She does. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, they have a yes. relationship. Is it auntie? Auntie. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember. Now, my favorite character was Heimlich the Caterpillar. Yes. But the yeah. main character's name is Flick. Oh, right! Oh, right! I need to go watch Great movie, great movie. Wait. It is good, yeah. Quick question. Is a caterpillar a bug? It is, yeah. Okay. So okay. the weird thing is, clearly I know nothing about caterpillar eyes, um, but if you look at a caterpillar, they do only have six legs. So when you watch them walking around, you can actually, it, it's hard to tell, but it, it is an insect because it develops into a butterfly. A butterfly. Okay, oh. that makes yeah. So it is technically oh, an insect. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, I don't know. There are so many insects. I can't imagine how you would know, you know, oh, I know. too much about yeah, right. any of them. But it's, oh, it's, in this field, I feel like I tell people, I know a little bit about a lot of animals. I, yes, I'm exactly. not an expert on anything right? and well it's funny because people you know people forget how many insects there oh are gosh. there are literally millions of species and i mean it's flattering that people think we know everything but <laughs> typically it like expands to you know we focus on the animals that we have in the insectarium and then you know we all love being outside and seeing what's outside but it's it's yeah i mean it's there's so much out there yeah that it's and hard we aren't to seeing half of them. and we're not seeing most of it yeah there's still for 17 years <laughs> i mean that's you know it's nice when you work with insects because there's there's that's usually the group where they're still discovering new species oh yeah um so yeah it's just bugs are never ending it's, you know it's awesome they're super cool yeah. yeah okay so we sort of touched on it earlier but we're just going to Directly tell us what can I do? Oh, for cicadas. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think right now, like we, t I touched on it a little bit, is if people want to get involved, this is a really easy, great thing to get involved in, and um, they're really trying to get out. They're really trying to gather as much information as they can about this specific brood. Um, so if people do want to download the Cicada Safari app, um, it's totally free. All you have to do is just create a, a profile. Um, you can submit photographs of, you know, things that you find in your yard. If you go out and find them in other areas, um, send those photographs in with all the information. So you can actually help entom entomologists gather all this data that they can't be in all these different places at one time. And I really think, especially if you have kids, yes, like it's not, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say this and that all adults should go out and enjoy it, but it's really fun to do with kids because they can go out and you know, just find tons of them yes. all over the place. And they can have a purpose. Like, you're helping yeah. entomologists. Right. And I think that's really fun for the kids. They can go on a search, get them outside. Yes. You're teaching them that they aren't scary. They yes, aren't dangerous. Exactly. So many, yeah. like, pros to yeah. help, having your kids help with this. And that's what, honestly, is great about cicadas is they're not dangerous at all. Right. You know, you're not really, if anything, like you were saying about picking, you know, you can save them and pick them up and yeah. put them on a branch. And so they're not... They're not harmful to humans, so it makes it easy to interact with them if yeah. you want to interact with them. And, and then help scientists at the exactly. same time. Yeah. You get to actually mm -hmm. participate in yes, science. Exactly. In such an easy way. Okay, I have a question. I don't know if you guys have heard this or if you know the answer. I heard they taste like peanut butter. 
or peanuts. Have you heard that? I've heard they taste like raw potatoes. Oh, okay. I, heard they I don't taste like I, shrimp. No way. That too. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing is people are eating them. I don't think anybody. Know? Yeah, I mean, no one's ever actually ate one. They're okay. just saying like, "Hey, it tastes like this." They taste like, yeah. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah. That's funny yeah. because I heard the peanut butter thing, and then I saw that. Maybe one way they could maybe be dangerous is if you have a dog that eats too many. I don't know if this is true. That's a good question. But their exoskeletons yeah. could potentially upset their stomach. Yes. Or maybe cause a little damage. So if you have a dog that likes to eat bugs, mm-hmm. <laughs> like cicadas, mm-hmm. maybe limit them yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, dogs, otherwise cats. And, you know, we see that around here, too, that I think there just becomes this frenzy of there's so much to eat. Right. And dogs obviously get excited when they see cicadas so yeah they can they if they can eat too many and most likely they're probably just going to regurgitate them if they don't the wings don't digest very well okay so i think that's a lot of what they get in their stomach and it becomes upset but it it overall should not be dangerous to your pets harmless but it might taste like peanut butter so you can't blame your dog right i don't know yeah it sounds appetizing Oh, well, great. Thank you so much for being yeah, thanks, here. Thank you. Everyone Thank you very download much. the Cicada Safari app and you can help scientists. And yeah, uh, I'm Jenna. And I'm Sam. And this is Cincinnati Zoo Tales.